Today, I'm resharing a podcast from May of 2021, where I share my thoughts on loss, shame, and a pandemic. It's a topic I'm passionate about and have done a lot of research on how the pandemic has amplified our feelings of loss and shame. I also talk about toxic positivity and social comparison and provide a few ideas of what we can do in the midst of all the heaviness that continues. If you are enjoying the podcast, can you please go to the show and leave a rating and review? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Beth. Welcome back to another episode of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that I shared in a recent blog. Today, we're going to talk about loss, shame, and a pandemic. It's been 15 months since COVID-19 hit the United States. Students were not allowed to return to school. Graduations and weddings were canceled. Businesses were forced to adjust the way they ran their businesses or close. Teachers and parents had to learn Zoom. The news was terrifying. Persons were hospitalized and unable to have loved ones by their side. The list of changes and sacrifices from the pandemic is long and all-inclusive. No one was exempt. Every single person in our country experienced loss during the last 15 months. And then social unrest and political polarization. On top of the mandated stay-at-home orders, we were disconnected physically, emotionally, and mentally. Judgment, condemnation, and disrespect were rampant on all sides, all around in many arenas. Even before the pandemic, we were living in a scarcity culture. We and our things are never enough. We were, and still are, bombarded with messages that make us feel less than. So we've shut down, disconnected from reality. No more vulnerability being shared. Since 9-11, we have operated out of fear. We are experiencing a collective PTSD of being on alert for the past 20 years. During the pandemic, there's been a constant drip, drip, drip of anxiety and stress. We may not be soldiers in combat, but we are experiencing the same environment of hypervigilant awareness all the time. According to Dr. Mike Bradley, we are living in collective fear. Now, on top of that, people are experiencing loss and grief. And given the shutdown and stay-at-home orders, they don't have many places to share. They are no longer gathering with friends and catching up. Family events have been canceled. When they do have the opportunity to share their grief or loss, they experience the challenge of comparing their grief and story to the story of others. Because others have stories. Everyone does. And many are hard. But denying the extent of your grief based on your perception of someone else's grief is unhealthy. We tell ourselves, well, I don't have it as bad as they do, so I should just be thankful or grateful or happy. Plug in your favorite word. This is an example of toxic positivity. According to an article by Simone Scully from Healthline.com, positivity can be harmful when it's insincere forceful, or delegitimizes real feelings of anxiety, fear, sadness, or hardship. 
The article goes on to say that toxic positivity is the assumption, either by oneself or others, that despite a person's emotional pain or difficult situation, they should only have a positive mindset. Toxic positivity can take many forms. It can be a family member who encourages encourages you to look on the bright side or be grateful for what you have. It can be a meme that tells you to just change your outlook to be happy. It can be your own feelings that you shouldn't dwell on your sadness, anxiety, loneliness, or fear. When you avoid your emotions, you actually cause more harm. Always putting on a happy face and denying reality does not serve us well. With toxic positivity, negative emotions are seen as inherently bad, and authentic human emotional experiences are denied, minimized, or invalidated. When we deny ourselves the experience of acknowledging our loss, we deny the emotion. When we deny the emotion, we deny the ability to process our reality with compassion and understanding. I should just be grateful. At least I still have a job. Why am I so ungrateful? Susan David, PhD and author of Emotional Agility, says that social comparison is one of the worst toxic psychological experiences we can have as a human being. So not only have we suppressed our emotions, we've invalidated the situation and are now beating ourselves up over and over and over again. Because in 2020, not only are we doing it in our personal lives, with our jobs, our kids, and their education, we are doing it over politics and social issues, over masks and six feet, again and again and again. When we deny the process of grieving, we open the door to shame. Because now we are just living in our heads, repeating the story over and over again. Why can't I handle this? Why do I feel like I deserve special treatment? Everyone is suffering. I should just be able to suck it up. This will have a huge impact on our health and mindset. Because in addition to the shame of 2020, individually, shame is devastating. According to shame researcher Brene Brown, when we experience shame, we feel disconnected and desperate for worthiness. Full of shame or the fear of shame, we are more likely to engage in self-destructive behaviors and to attack or shame others. In fact, shame is related to violence, aggression, depression, addiction, eating disorders, and bullying. Perhaps we are already experiencing the ramifications of the grief and shame of 2020. I've told my kids many times I've never seen so much judgment and polarization in our country. Perhaps shame is fueling the aggression and bullying. Phew, this is a lot of heavy stuff. Grief, loss, shame, toxic positivity, social comparison, bullying, polarization. Just putting all of those words together is overwhelming. And the results are showing. According to the CDC website, in June of 2020, 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse. What can we do? Again, Brene Brown, author and shame researcher, says, If you put shame in a petri dish, it needs three ingredients to grow. Secrecy silence, and judgment. 
If you put the same amount of shame in the Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Empathy. Compassion. Grace. Hmm. Can we do that? Can we pursue collective healing instead of collective fear? Can we be willing to let our guards down and our true selves be shown? I recently interviewed another daughter without a mom, Kelsey, who explained how grief is a universally shared experience. It's the only guarantee in life. And it is still so uncomfortable for grievers and supporters to talk about grief. Kelsey encouraged listeners to lean into the discomfort. And I totally agree. Together, we can provide a space to make it more acceptable and comfortable to share and speak about our grief, which then allows us to experience the emotion, which is so important. There needs to be space, capacity, and recognition of individual loss and grief. We are a death-denying society. According to Hope Edelman, author of Motherless Daughters, a group of 81 people who had experienced loss were followed for seven, several years in an experiment about recurring grief, and all 81 people experienced grief resurgences. Grief does not go away. It is not a problem to be fixed. This is what causes people to think that they are doing grief wrong because they don't get better. There is no better. Our loved ones are not coming back. It cannot be fixed. There is no way to get around grief. Ignoring your grief and not dealing with what is going on can be harmful. By doing this, it remains a secret. And the longer you don't deal with it, the harder it becomes. But what can you do? What do you have control over? Your thoughts. Our thoughts are the most powerful tool we have. Our thoughts can create our reality, even when they aren't true. Mel Robbins likes to say, your feelings aren't a choice, but your behavior and thoughts are. What are you filling your head with? Are you allowing the media and culture to infiltrate your thoughts and affect your behavior? Are you able to find positive things to focus on, things to be grateful for, Again, not things of toxic positivity, but things that are life-giving and meaningful to you. I am a proponent of a positive mindset, but we've already heard about the downfall of toxic positivity, so I want to be clear in distinguishing the difference between the two. What can you do to support others? One way you can support someone who is grieving is by giving them a safe space where they can show their emotions talk about their experience, share memories and stories about their lost loved one. It's important to not make them feel ashamed or embarrassed because this will add more pain to their grief. Just listen without trying to fix it or rationalize their loss with platitudes. If you'd like to learn more about platitudes, see podcast episode eight for an entire podcast dedicated to the subject. We have the opportunity to start creating a new intentional way of being. Some parts of the old normal weren't working. Given the lockdown, we had time to analyze what was important and what wasn't. It's time to purge things from our lives that are no longer life-giving. It's the perfect time to do some self-reflecting 
and emerge with a fresh look at yourself and what's important to you. Implement small changes that are value aligned. Is your time of grief and darkness a womb or a tomb? Are you going to grow from it? Not get over it, but grow from it. Or stay locked inside. Remember Brene Brown's advice about shame, that we need to douse it with empathy, grace, and compassion? I'd like to leave you with a definition of, of, of compassion by Pima Chodron. She says, Compassion is not a relationship between the wounded and the healed. It is a relationship between equals. It's knowing our darkness well enough so that we can sit in the dark with others. Together, let's take small steps towards progress, not perfection, as we emerge from an abundance of loss and shame and collectively make our way towards healing and connection. That's what I have for today. If you've resonated with anything I've said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this podcast. If you liked this episode or you are a fan of the show, the best way to support it is to share it on social media and with your family and friends. For more of my thoughts on the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. As always, remember, we can use grace, grit, and gratitude to grow with our grief.